Today we're continuing our series entitled, It's Complicated, where we look at the fact that often relationships are complicated. Sometimes we're in a relationship and we're either having a conversation or uh, there's an interaction and sometimes we wonder, how exactly did we get here? Well, I want to suggest to you that it's not that relationships are complicated or even that love is complicated. The truth is, we as people, we are complicated. And sometimes when we come together, there's difficulty, there's challenges, there's things that make our relationships challenging. But we're going to go to God's word today. We're going to discover how he's going to help us uncomplicate our relationships. This week I was thinking about the fact that often in music and in culture, we see these references about love. And today, if you didn't know, we're going to be talking about love and affection. And love is simply this. It's a deep affection. But affection is really just liking somebody. It's just really being friends or being connected in some meaningful way. But I was looking at some uh, song titles, and I just realized that often songs, they tell you about the easy start and the happy ending, but never about the messy middle. Listen closely. Here are some song titles. There's this one song title that's, that says, Can't Help Falling in Love. Next one, Stand By Me. The next one, ain't no mountain high enough. Truth is, sometimes when relationships are complicated, we feel like we're climbing a very high mountain. It feels like we're climbing Everest, and we can't seem to make progress. We can't seem to get to the top of the mountain. We feel like we're constantly slipping back. So what do we do? What do we do when affection fades? What do we do when love goes away? How do we uncomplicate love and connection in relationships. Well, today I want to speak on the topic, make it personal. Make it personal. Make your affection and love personal. Now notice, I didn't say take it personal. I think sometimes in relationships, we take things the wrong way. We take it way too personal. And then we make it personal in a negative way this is some, some insights about how sometimes we take it way too personal. Now, I know some of you may be saying, but pastor, I'm different. I don't take it personal. Well, I wonder if, if you even saying that is you taking it a little too personal. <laughs> Here are some ways you know that you're taking it way too personal. When someone says something to you, you get frustrated and you snap back at them. They do something and you misinterpret it, so you give them the silent treatment. You disconnect. You push them away. Or maybe they send you a text message and you misunderstand what the text message actually means. And so you decide not to reply, even though they see that little read notice at the bottom of your text message and they know you're ghosting them. Sometimes in life, what makes relationships complicated is we take it way too personal. But I believe God wants us to make it personal, make our love and our affection personal, not our strife and our conflict and our challenges and the way we disconnect. We need to make our love and affection personal. Now today, if, you, if you're being honest with yourself and you realize that sometimes your relationships are complicated because love and affection aren't there or you're having challenges in that area, I want you to know that you're not alone. In fact, 
This has been a problem since the very beginning of time. We see this in the Garden of Eden. We see the conflict between Adam and Eve. We see it between Cain and Abel. We see it every time there's interaction between two humans or, or uh, any time that there's a challenge in relationships, we see this pop up. So we, we, we're going to go to God's Word today, and we're going to look at how, how we can uncomplicate our relationships. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he was writing to the church at Rome, and he said, I know that sometimes things get complicated in your relationships, but God is calling you to something else. And I want to suggest to you that God is calling you to something else, to take on his, his perspective, to take on what he has in mind for us in relationships. Listen to this in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 11. Let's look at the word of God together. Open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. Let's look together to see what the word of God says. Verse nine, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection. Say genuine. Genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. What the apostle Paul is telling this church is he's saying, don't don't just wing it when it comes to love and affection. Be intentional. And if you're willing to follow this blueprint and this playbook, you're going to have success in your relationships. He's saying, be intentional about treating the people in your life right. You can't treat someone wrong and expect them to treat you right. How we treat each other really, really matters. In fact, I believe that the world is looking us, looking at us as the church Wondering if our faith is really real. Is there a difference between us and the world? Do we really love people extravagantly? Do we really show genuine brotherly affection to one another? Or do we just say it and not really live it? I want to invite us to really lean in and, and discover how we can make it personal. So I want to share a couple thoughts with you about how we can make it personal. Number one, focus on what's good. Focus on what's good. Verse 9 says this, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. I want to encourage you today to hold tightly to what is good. Be willing to lean into that. Focus on what's good in your relationships. But in order for us to hold on to what's good, often we have to reject what's wrong. Now sometimes what happens is when we see that there's wrong in a relationship, we see the wrong in someone else and not the wrong in ourselves. Often, it's easy to see that, but it's hard to see it in ourselves. We see the little wrong in them, but we fail to see the big wrong in ourselves. And we must be willing to reject the wrong in our own hearts in order to hold fast to what is good. This is part of the human condition. The Bible calls what is wrong sin. And sin, in its most simple form, is missing the mark. God in his word has established criteria for what is right but often we miss the mark and the metaphor here is this imagine for a moment an archer shooting at a target if they aim wrong they miss the target often in life and in love we aim wrong we aim off to the side we aim low we aim high and we miss the target and what God is saying is I want you to focus on what's good make goodness and righteousness God's righteousness your target and if you do you're more likely to hit it in your life 
but it requires us to reject what's wrong, put it aside. I found that when we hold on to what's wrong, it holds us back. If you want to be held back, hold on to what's wrong. But then on the other hand, we need to choose to live good. And really, choosing to live good is being willing to treat other people with respect. Now, growing up, my parents would quote this verse to me. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. It's called the golden rule. It says this, do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, I now quote this to my kids, and that's how I know I'm a parent because I'm repeating what my parents used to say. I'm there, guys. I'm there. I'm there. I'm adulting now. But here's the thing. When my parents would say this to me, it would go in one ear and out the other. Why? Because I live with the brother, and I love my brother. We're great friends now, but back then we were arch enemies. We found ways to create conflict out of nowhere. But my parents were constantly saying, treat each other with respect. Do to each other as you would want them to do to you. And often, we find it challenging to show respect. We find it challenging. It's easy to give disrespect. Disrespect's easy to show. It happens really quickly. But choosing to live out the golden rule makes a difference. Always do right even when it's hard. That's what we tell our kids. That might be something you need to tell your kids. Always do what's right even when it's hard. Number three, a way to really focus on what's good is to look for what's good. For you see, we find what we focus on. We always find what we focus on. If you're looking for something to nitpick, I guarantee you can find something to nitpick. If you're looking for something wrong, a mistake, or for someone in your life, maybe your spouse or your kids to say something wrong, if you're just waiting for them to say something wrong, guess what? You're going to find it. Why? Because we're all humans. We all make mistakes. But what you may not realize is that you're making the same mistakes. Again, we must be willing to hold on to what's good. Sometimes what happens is when we don't hold on to what's good, we create a grudge in our own heart. Don't hold on to a grudge. Hold on to your loved ones. For you see, holding on to a grudge is like holding on to an anchor and then jumping into the sea. And then when you begin to sink, you're like, what's happening? We kind of need to be like Elsa and just let the anchor go. Let the grudge go so that we can hold on to the people that God has entrusted to us. Number two, to make it personal, show up. Be willing to show up. Look at verse 11. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Why? Why do we need to show up? Because showing up increases trust, respect, and love. If you want the people in your life to trust, respect, and love you, be willing to show up. Now, I have found, and this is, this is true, I think, of all of us, if we're really honest. It's easy for us to show up at work, but often it's hard to show up at home. I found in my experience of working with people that often people give their very best at work, and their family, at the end of the day, gets the last and the very least. I want to encourage you to make a commitment in your heart to be willing to save your very best for last. Be willing to save your energy and your focus for last for your family. They deserve your very best. Why? Because we say that we love our spouse, we love our family, 
And that honestly, our job is secondary to our primary focus, which is God and family. We need to be willing to align what we say with how we live. So God is calling us not only to show up at work, but at home with our kids and in our marriage. And here's the reason why. In close relationships, there are three questions the people in our life are asking us. They're saying, do you love me? Will you help me? And can I trust you? These are the questions that the people in your life are asking of you. They may not verbalize it, but they're asking it in their own heart. Does my spouse love me? Will they help me? And can I trust them? This is what Romans 12, 11 says. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. If you're willing to work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically, you'll be able to answer these questions in the affirmative for your family members. So I want to make it super practical. I want to make it personal, but also make it practical. Here are three tips to show up. Number one, bring your best. Bring your best. One of our team values here at Westover that we embrace is ownership. And this is the value. We own the mission. Bringing our best honors God and inspires people. We work hard to own the mission. And what I mean by that is we own the responsibility of leading and serving here. But I also believe that God's inviting us to own the mission at home with our family, with our kids And for those of you who are grandparents with our grandkids as well, we need to be willing to own the mission and bring our best honors God and inspires people. Now some of you may be saying, but pastor, I don't really know how to implement that. Well, I want to offer you one thought that I think will help us. It's view your work as worship. View your work at home as worship. View your work at work as worship. Why? Because when you view what you do as worship, It honors God and it inspires people. When you view what you do in relationships with people as worship to God, you'll discover discover that you'll bring your very best. Why? Because you want God to receive your very best. If you want to be successful in your relationships, view your work as worship. It'll also help you when the people in your life don't show up for you. Because if your purpose is to worship God not please them, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether they show up or not. You've shown up. You've honored God. You've owned the mission. You've advanced people in your life. Romans uh, 12, 11 says this, serve the Lord enthusiastically. That's so essential. We need to view our work as worship. Number two, the uh, the second tip to show up is become a CPS. Now, not the folks that go investigate, but become a CPS, which is a chief problem solver. If you want to be successful in relationships, don't create problems. Solve them. Solve problems. Don't just see a problem and notice it. Solve it. Now, husbands, I'm going to make this super practical. This is a pro tip from a husband to another husband. Listen to me. When you walk by the sink and there's dishes in the sink... Just don't say to your spouse, hey, guess what? There's, there's dishes in the sink. That's not called help. That's called a one-way ticket to the doghouse. Okay? Listen, I'm telling you you, you, you can do it at your own risk. But when you see the problem and you solve it, even before she sees it, guess what? You get marriage points. 
marriage points, and they're valuable. So when you see challenges, be willing to solve them ahead of time. In fact, overserve your wife. Be willing to show up, solve problems for her. Now wives, I'm gonna be super practical. If you know that your husband has had a very busy week and he's worked a bunch of hours and he's had a lot of responsibility, can I just invite you, unless it's absolutely essential, would you be willing to pause your honeydew list for one day? I know it's, it's hard to pause more than one day, but be willing to pause it for, for one day so they can have a little bit of margin, so that they can refresh and recruit, and so they can show up for you. Be willing to solve problems. Now, students and young adults, I'm going to offer you a pro tip about business and work. If you want to be successful, if you want to get paid and get promoted, solve problems. Why? Because in business, you get paid dependent on the size of problems that you solve. The bigger the problem you solve, the more you get paid. Sometimes we think it's not more money, more problems. It's more problems, more money. When you solve problems, you end up getting paid. You get compensated. We need to make sure that we're problem solvers in our relationships. And number three, to show up, be consistent. Show up every time. Show up every time. To build trust and increase influence, be consistent. Someone once said, consistency compounds. Whatever you do consistently compounds. If you are not acting and functioning in a healthy way in your relationships, that compounds. The Bible calls it sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. We need to make sure that we're sowing things that are going to advance the relationship. Someone also said, successful people do consistently what regular people do occasionally. Verse 11 says this, never be lazy but work hard. Say never. Never be lazy but work hard. I'm going to take this quote that was just mentioned and make it a little more personal for us. Connected people do consistently what disconnected people do occasionally. If you really want to be connected, if you want there to be love and affection in your relationships, be consistent. Don't be hit or miss. Be willing to show up. Your family needs to know that you're consistent. Your kids don't need to come home and say, what kind of dad am I going to get today? Is he going to be happy? Is he going to be frustrated? Do I need to tiptoe around him? Wives, you need to also make sure that you're consistent as well. So your husband, when he comes home, he's not, he's not wondering, am I going to get her when she's frustrated and she's going to be snapping at me or is she going to be loving and affectionate? We need to be consistent. If we're willing to do that, it'll show up and it'll make sure that our intimacy and our closeness and affection is where it needs to be. Number three, to make it personal, practice honor. Practice honor. Verse 10 says this, take delight in honoring each other. Now, I believe that honor is a lost art. We've lost the art of honoring other people. We live in a culture that says it's all about us. It's all about us climbing the corporate ladder. It's all about us making more money. It's all about me, 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 me. But in relationships, the only relationship that you have where it's one person is yourself. If you really want to be in relationships, stop focusing on me and focus on the we. Focus on honoring other people. Honor is about lifting others up. It's about giving credit where credit is due. I found you never lose by lifting others up. 
You never lower yourself when you lift up other people. In fact, when you lift up other people, guess what? They lift you up as well. If you share honor, they will honor you in turn. Another version says this about this specific verse. Verse 10, it says this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Let honor and showing honor become a competition. Find ways to out-honor one another. Husbands, honor your wife in conversations. Every time you're in a conversation with anyone else, even with women at the workplace, be willing to say, my wife is fantastic. My wife is beautiful. My wife makes a difference. Don't complain about her. Wives, make sure that when you're with your lady friends, that you honor your husband. Don't just talk about what he doesn't do. Talk about what he does do to serve your family. Parents, we need to make sure to honor our kids. They need to hear honor from us. They're facing enough headwinds and challenges in the culture that they need to see us elevate them and lift them up. We need to be the chief encouragers in their life. We need to share honor with them. Leaders, be willing to honor your employees. Correct privately and celebrate publicly. If you want to know how to handle your employees, correct privately, one-on-one, but celebrate publicly. No one's ever going to say, hey, don't honor me. They're actually going to say, hey, bring it on. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Now, I just want to take a pause and say this. I want to take a moment and honor Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim and Denise, uh, in just a couple of weeks, where they're going to mark 35 years of pastoring this church. And I think they deserve honor. (laughs) Pastor, we're grateful for your leadership, and we honor you today. We're grateful for how you've led. We need to practice honor. It makes a difference. It communicates to people that we're really followers of Jesus Christ. And number four, to make it personal, really love each other. Really love each other. Verses 9 and 10 says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Love each other with genuine affection. Now, in life, sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. But in love, you just have to do it. You have to be genuine. You have to make sure that people feel the love and affection that you have for them. I often tell husbands, sometimes we struggle with this, guys, is we find it hard to share our heart and our emotions. And it's often hard for us to say, I love you to the people around us. We sometimes feel like, well, they know that I love them, so why should I have to say it again? I want to encourage you, you, you can never wear out saying I love you. I went to a a funeral recently and I was listening to what the people at the funeral were saying and they said, I loved my father. They made a significant difference. And what came to my mind was this, is that we need to tell the people that we love that we love them. They need to know, they need to hear. There never needs to be a regret in our life that we didn't say I love you to the people in our life. They need to hear it from us, why? because that's how we really love one another. I was also reflecting this week about just the love of God. We had Easter just a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking about how God really made it personal. He showed love to you and I. He came to earth, he struggled in a human body, just so that we would know that he loved us. And then he went to the cross and gave his life for us, to forgive our sins, to be sin 
for us, even though he was without sin, because he wanted to make it personal. And I know many of us were here today, and we want to uncomplicate our relationships. We want love and affection to really make sense in our relationship. But I've discovered we can't give what we don't have. We can't give what we've never experienced. And so in order for us to show love to other people, we have to be willing to receive love. And receiving love means receiving God because the Bible tells us that God is love. And so if you want to show love and affection to the people around you, it is incumbent on us. It's required for us to receive the love of God. And so today I want to give you that opportunity to connect with him, to allow him to make a personal relationship with you, to allow you to make a personal relationship with him. So today as I close, I'm going to invite each one of you to stand I want you to set aside the distractions, set aside the things that you need to do in the next hour, and let's just focus on God. I want to assure you that he loves you, and that he sees you, and that he knows you, and he wants to have a personal relationship with you, because if you have a personal relationship with him, he can bless you, and he can encourage you. And so I know today, some of you, you want that. You want your relationships to be uncomplicated. The only way you can do that is through Jesus Christ. Fortunately for us, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is as clear as ABC. A, it's admitting we need Jesus, we need a savior. B, believing in our heart that he died on the cross to forgive our sins and that he rose again to give us new life. And C, it's confessing from our heart and from our mouth that we need him. And I wanna give you the opportunity. If you've never made a decision for Christ or it's been a while since you've recommitted your life to Jesus, this is your moment. I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes, front to back, side to side. Those of you who are online, just lean into this moment. Don't click away, lean in. If you're here today and you've never made a decision for Jesus, on the count of three, I wanna invite you to raise your hands. No one's looking. I want you just to indicate to the Lord that you want him in your life on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I see hands. Yes, up in the balcony. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together to make room in our heart for him so that he can make it personal for us. So I want all of us to say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. I need you to forgive my sins and give me a new life. I want to experience your love so I can share love to the people that I love. Change my heart. Change my life. Be in charge of my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just said that prayer, welcome to the family of God. He's just made it personal for you. And now you're fully empowered to really make relationships and love and affection personal with the people around you but now we're going to step into a worship moment we want you to experience the presence of God you've accepted him into your heart and now you can take a step forward and make room for him and so I just want to invite you I know we're close to the end of the service but if you really want to make room in your heart for God our altars are open we'd love to invite you to come up for just a couple of moments for you to share your heart with God and allow him to pour into you. We need to make sure to create room in our heart for him. He loves us. He has a purpose for us. 
and he wants us to discover him. So can I invite you today? Let's make room for him. Let's welcome him into our hearts. Let's allow him to make it personal for us. He loves you and he has a purpose for you. Let's lean in.